Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy and friends are resting this week and will return next week. However, we have a leader from our local church community giving today's message. So obviously, as you guys can see, I am not Dr. Sammy, and I am not Pastor Billy either. For those of you guys that don't know me, my name is Stu Still. I've been a member here at 180 Church for about 17 years now, and Dr. Sammy has asked me to preach today while he takes a very well-deserved rest. So I do not do well in the heat, and this week has been an absolute scorcher. So while Dr. Sammy has his quarantine office at the beach, and Pastor Billy has his quarantine office in the parks in Lower Manhattan, I want to welcome you guys to my quarantine office. And this is actually my new house. Um, I actually just moved in here about a month ago. And despite everything that has been happening in 2020, I have to say this has been probably one of the, one of the great blessings that God has given me in the midst of this year. And it's really been a blessing. Um, every now and again, I catch myself looking around and saying, how do I own a house? How did this happen? And God has been really, really good in, in this. But the one problem that I have, and I know this is a first world problem, but the one problem I have is that I haven't been able to share it with anybody. I haven't, had, I haven't been able to have people over for a housewarming party, nobody over for a barbecue, nobody over for a game night. I haven't been able to have a pool party. Not that they have the pool open, but you guys get my point. I haven't been able to have people over. I've had three people over. The first person was my mom, and she came over on the day that I closed on the house, and we got to have sandwiches together. The second person that came over was Johan, and he came over really quick just to drop off a birthday present for me, which I happen to be wearing right now, so thank you, Joe, and thank you, Wendy. And the third person to come over was Andrew Rowe, and he helped me move some furniture from my old place to my new place. And uh, I do not have a photo with him, unfortunately. But I have the next best thing, which was a photo of the food we had together because that was the first day you could eat outdoors at restaurants. So we went over and we had food together. And it was glorious to actually have a meal with somebody. Now, as I said before, I am very much an introvert. I can go for long times without being in crowds and being around too many people. But even for me, there are times when I know that I need and really want to be in community. There are times when we all need community and fellowship. There's times of joy and times of celebration. And there's times of sorrow and times of adversity. And we need community in all of those times. We need community because when we are going through those things without it, everything seems just that much worse. Our celebrations aren't as fun. They're a little bit bland. Our joy just isn't as joyful. And when we're going through struggle and when we're going through adversity and we don't have community there with us, it just seems all the more difficult. It seems like we're alone in our struggle and we have no one there with us. And it just seems like our adversity and our struggles can consume everything about our world. And we just own that and live in that. And that's a terrible, terrible place to be in. 
You know, last week, Dr. Sammy was preaching on why community exists, and community exists because evil exists. God gave us the community so that we could stand together, so that we could be together in the midst of our struggles and in the midst of the fight against evil. And we are in a war, and we are absolutely in a war. There is an evil one that is here to kill, steal, and destroy. And if we're not aware of that, we will get caught in every bit of adversity that he uses to kill, steal, and destroy. And it doesn't matter whether it is supernatural adversity or whether it's natural adversity or any kind of adversity, even simple adversity in the goals that we want to achieve in our life. Something as simple as going to the gym. I mean, have you guys ever tried to go to the gym without a gym buddy? Have you ever tried to build that kind of discipline without someone to spur you on in that? It's almost impossible. That's why community exists. It helps us in the midst of that adversity. It helps us in the midst of our struggles. It's why it's so vital and why God blessed us with community. And as we look in Acts chapter 5, we can see the early church starting to get into a point where they are starting to face a lot more adversity, where they're starting to struggle against the religious leaders and the rulers of the land at that time because they are on God's mission. And if it wasn't for the community that they had, that struggle would have been maybe more than they could have handled. So let's turn to Acts chapter 5 and let's look a little bit deeper into this text and see how vital community is for us in the midst of our adversity, in the midst of our struggles. So let's turn to that and I'll see you guys in just a minute. Hello. Today's scripture is from the book of Acts, chapter 5, verses 17 to 22. I'll read the first half and join the second half. Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They, ar they arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there, so they went back and reported. We found the jail securely locked with the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came and said, Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. 
But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered the men to be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin, Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Theodos appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, all his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas, the Galilean, appeared in days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone, let them go, for if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left Sanhedrin, rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. That is the word of the Lord. So we see in this passage, the apostles are out there and they're on their mission. They're spreading the gospel and they're starting to get a little bit of static. They're starting to get a little bit of resistance and see some adversity from the religious leaders. We see here the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people of the full message of this new life. So there they are. They're living God's mission for them. They're thrown in jail, and God bails them out. He gets them out of jail, and they go right back to preaching the gospel on the streets. So what did the religious leaders do? Well, they go out and they grab them again. We read here, having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. The dedication of these guys, right? They are taking nothing from nobody on this. They are standing tall. And then things escalate. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Things were starting to escalate. Things were starting to get dangerous now. Now it wasn't just words and commands not to speak about Jesus' name. Now the adversity that they were facing was a physical adversity. Now their safety was in danger. So what did the apostles do? The apostles left the Sanhedrin, rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. So there they were, freshly flogged, thrown out on the streets, probably in fear for their safety, but it did not deter them. They went right back 
to being part of their community, in community, preaching the word from house to house. Their community was part of the bedrock that kept them going, that kept them on mission, that kept them preaching the word. And they kept at it. They didn't back down. They didn't cower. They didn't run off. They didn't even try to take a safe way out and say, well, let's not gather in large groups. Let's stay a little bit distanced. They stayed in their community where they knew what their mission was and where they continued to preach the word. Their community was part of the bedrock that kept them going. So what do we learn from this passage? The first thing that we can learn from this is don't stop gathering in the face of adversity. Don't forsake your community. Don't forget how important your community is in continuing to live the mission that God has for you, in strengthening you, in encouraging you, in spurring you on. You know, just like Dr. Sammy uh, was talking about last week, we can see how important community is in the Lord of the Rings. When uh, they met at the Council of Elrond to destroy the One Ring, Frodo was the one who stepped up and said, I will shoulder this burden. I will face this adversity. But he also said, I do not know the way. He knew that he was going to face adversity and he knew that he was not going to be able to face it alone. And he needed a community around him. And so he had Aragorn who said, you have my sword. And he had Legolas who said, you have my bow. And Gimli who said, you have my axe. And people were pointing it out last week. You can't forget about the hobbits because all of them joined in. All of these small little creatures who have nothing more in their desires than second breakfast. Even they jumped in because they knew that even the smallest creatures can change the future. And again, later on in the uh, first movie, you see when Frodo decides that he's going to try to strike out on his own. He doesn't want to endanger his community. His community won't let him do it on his own. Samwise Gamgee, dear Sam, does not let him go. He stays with him throughout the entirety of the journey straight into Mordor. And without that, Frodo wouldn't have gotten through. Frodo would have fallen. But it's community that helps us in our purpose, in our goals, in our drives, in the mission that Christ has for us, our community is so vital. And so in our lives, there are so many things that will stand against us in our faith. And sometimes there are supernatural things. You know, like, like we keep saying, the enemy is real. There is evil out there. And the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And he wants to rob the purpose that you have in Christ. And he will work to separate you from community in order to do it. Because what's one of the first rules of war? Divide and conquer. And it's so much easier to take a single soldier out than it is to take down an entire platoon where they are watching each other's back and protecting one another. And that's what we get in community. That's what we have in community. And we're also going to face adversity in the natural. And if we look at the world today, you know, unfortunately, we look at it and the Christian life is not really considered the sexiest life out there. We tell people that we're living in integrity, they'll say, why would you do something like that? Why would you do something so backward as that? You should be doing everything you can 
to get yourself ahead because you have to watch out for number one. And it doesn't matter who you're going to ruin in the process. We tell people that we're tithing. People will say, why would you do something like that? Don't you need to save up the money to get the things that you need in life? You need that Louis Vuitton bag. You need that Mercedes Benz. You need to pay off your college loans before you're 25. You need to get that Roth IRA pumped up before, uh, before too long so that you can retire before you get old, you know? And they'll make you feel weird that you value these things when the rest of the world doesn't. They'll make you feel like you're alone. But the truth is when we're in community, we know that we're not alone in valuing the things that are on God's heart. We're not alone. We're not that strange. It's the rest of the world that's a little bit off. And even the things that are in the natural, the things that just go on every day in life that we face and struggle with and deal with in adversity, whether it's the pandemic, whether it's civil unrest, whether it's financial, whether it's relationship issues, whether it's issues in your relationship or issues that you don't have a relationship. We can sometimes feel like we're the only one that's facing these kinds of adversity. And the truth of the matter is that that's not true. When we come and gather together in community, we often find out that we're not struggling alone, but others are going through that same struggle. And we can find people who will help us along in that struggle, who will help spur us on. And it's so easy, unfortunately, to get discouraged in our faith and in our journey and to end up walking away from community and forgetting the things that are most important. You know, a lot of times when we walk away, we will start to find other things to occupy ourselves with, to get preoccupied with and decide to take up causes. And I'm not here to tell you which causes are the right ones or the wrong ones to stand for or anything like that. That's not what I'm here to do today. That's not a conversation that you can have with God and you can have with your community. What I'm trying to say is that there are more important things that we need to remember to focus on. The purpose that God has for our life. The growth that He is trying to bring in us. And when we're in community, community can remind us of what is most important. What is the most important thing for our life, for our journey, for our growth in Christ. And that's why community is so vital and why it's so important that we don't stop gathering in community. So my question for you guys this afternoon is, where are you trying to fight adversity alone? Where are you in need of community to help you with your struggle, with that adversity? Who are those people that you can bring around you to help you in those struggles. I pray that the Holy Spirit would reveal to you those places of adversity and where the community is to help you through that. So on our first point, the thing that we learn from the Apostles first is don't stop gathering in the face of adversity. When we're dealing with adversity, when we're dealing with struggles, we need our community to be there to help us, to spur us on. And we need to be there for others 
in our community as they're struggling, as they're going through adversity. And the next thing that we can learn from the apostles is don't forget to celebrate when you overcome that adversity. When we look at the apostles as they're leaving the Sanhedrin, verse 41 says, The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Now, were they rejoicing because they had just been flogged? Probably not. But consider who the apostles were just a few months before. When Jesus was being led off to be crucified, every single one of them scattered. They all ran. They all hid. They were all afraid. Every single one of the Gospels makes sure to tell us that Peter denied Jesus three times. Not even to the Sanhedrin, just to the people outside in the courtyard. He couldn't even face them, honestly, with that adversity. And what a change we see in them now. Now they're ready to stand up, each and every one of them united in their community, united saying we must obey God rather than man, and we will proclaim the name of Jesus. That is a huge, immense change. And they celebrated the fact that they had changed to that degree. You know, very often in our lives, it's very hard for us to see the changes that we've made or that God has made in our lives. It's a lot of times so much easier to say, I still need to grow in this way. I still need to improve in that way. And I'm not discounting that. We're all on that journey together. We're all continuing to grow together. But if all we see is where we still have to go, and if we only see the failures that we've had along the way, we're eventually going to burn out. We're eventually going to run out of steam. And isn't it so familiar to hear that voice of self-criticism, that voice that says, you're never going to make it. You're never going to get there. You keep trying and trying, but just like always, you fall short of the mark. That's a very, very familiar, familiar voice. I know I've heard it. I'm sure many of you have heard it. And that's the voice of doubt. That's the voice of the enemy trying to kill, steal, and destroy right there. That's the voice of sabotage in our lives. And so hard is it to get past that voice when it's just us. Because sometimes we will not see the growth that has happened in our own lives. But community can give us that perspective that we lack ourselves. They can say, hey, I've seen the growth in you. I've seen where God is leading you. You are changing. That's awesome. This is why we celebrate baptism. This is why we celebrate rededications, why we celebrate new jobs, why we celebrate all these different things. Because when we overcome adversity, we need to be in community to recognize that that adversity has been overcome and to celebrate the fact that we're growing. And if we don't celebrate that, if we don't, we will end up giving in to the voice of sabotage. During World War II, when the Allies were fighting in Europe, they had to deal with something called Axis Sally. That was a radio broadcast that would lure soldiers in with music to entertain them and then launch into propaganda about how they were losing the war, about how 
they were better off surrendering about how their families back home had forgotten about them. And if they focused on that voice of sabotage, that voice of propaganda, they would have lost all steam in the fight. Instead, they held on to the truth of how they were winning the war. And that's the same thing that's important in community. Community gives us the truth of where we are growing in Christ, where we are moving along. And it's important to have that voice that celebrates our growth with us, because otherwise we're going to miss it. And if we're not celebrating our growth, all we're going to end up doing is lamenting our failures. And we need that better perspective. So the question I have for us this afternoon is, who are the people that you celebrate your victories with? Are you just grinding out your victories and hoping that you'll see and recognize your own progress? Or are you gathering with people in community that will spur you on and celebrate when you have hit those new milestones, have hit those new marks, even when you're still thinking that you haven't made it yet. I pray that the Holy Spirit would show you the names and the faces of those people that are there on the journey with you, those brothers and sisters that will cheer you on, and spur you on, and celebrate with you every step of the way. And I'm sure the question that's on everybody's mind right now is, well, gee, where can I find a community like that? Well, it seems like every time I get a chance to preach, I get the chance to uh, plug small groups, so here we go. Small groups are the great place where you can come together with brothers and sisters in faith that can spur you on, that can shoulder those adversities with you, that can help you through each and every one of those steps. They're people that you can bring your fears to, that you can bring your adversity to, bring your worries to, that you can be safe with. And we have our facilitators who make sure that these groups are safe for us to be in and grow in and to change in. Now, small groups is not always going to be cheering you on in happiness. Sometimes you're going to have your small group members call you out on something. But I want to give you the permission to accept that, to accept a little bit of resistance, a little bit of challenging in your small group because they're your brothers and sisters in Christ and they are there to help you grow. They care about you so much that they want to see you flourish and they're willing to risk maybe hurting your feelings a little bit to see you overcome the greater adversity that's in your life. But more than just small groups, I want to encourage us to continue to meet in any way that we can. And of course, we have to do it smart. We have to do it intelligently. New York is in phase four right now, but there's infection rates going up all over the country. And none of us wants to take a step back to where we were in March or April. But I think it's really important that in whatever way that we can responsibly we should continue to meet together in community. Pastor Billy and I were talking the other day about how we might try to work out having Sunday service viewing groups, you know, in members' homes. And I know that some groups are already doing this. And I think that that's a wonderful thing. And not just small groups and not just Sunday viewings, but 
I think any way that we can come together as community, whether it's for an outdoor brunch or whether it's for small groups or for Sunday service, or heck, even if you come online and you chat with us at the 180 Discord, I think all of these ways are great for us to continue to meet together in community and to continue to spur one another on and grow through all of the adversity that we might be facing. So if you feel like you're in need of community, I want to encourage and I want to give you the permission to reach out to your brothers and sisters in Christ and say, hey, I'm in need of community. Let's hang out. Let's talk. Let's do some soul work together. And if you know people that you've been close to, but you haven't seen them in a while, I want to encourage you to reach out to them. Because maybe they're in deep need of community, but they're swallowed up by the things that are going on in life and haven't felt like they've had the chance to reach out. Or maybe they don't even realize that they're in the thick of adversity and they're just trying to grind it out like everybody else is or like they think everybody else is. I want to encourage us all to take ownership in community, to spur one another on, to help ourselves, to help each other grow as a community in Christ. So wherever we are today, wherever you are, let's stand up together and let's pray together and let's pray as one community together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have blessed us with this community, this community that seeks to join you in restoring the beauty in all things. And I pray, God, that you would restore the beauty in our community as a community that wants to follow after your heart, that is willing to help each other through the adversity that we suffer each and every day in this imperfect world, but that you have granted us community so that we can triumph in it, that we can overcome in it. I thank you for that, Father, and I look forward to the day when we can all gather, not remotely, but in person. I look forward to this, and I pray for this, and I thank you for this community. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Now, will you bow your heads for the benediction? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, Amen. Amen. My name is Minyoung. I'm a member here at 1A Church, and we're so glad that you were able to attend today's service with us. Um, there are a few community news that I'd like to share with you all. The first announcement is about our tithes and offering. We want to remind all of our members here at 1A Church to keep God in the center of your life, which includes your finances. You guys can do so through the online payment method shown on the screen. You can give through Venmo at Church 180, Zelle and Chase QuickPay at offering at 180church.tv, or if PayPal is your preferred method of giving, you can head over to our website at 180church.tv where there is a link to donate through PayPal. If you're a visitor joining us today, welcome. If you feel blessed by their service and you feel led to give, you can do so in the payment methods that I mentioned before. Our next announcement is about our prayer text hotline at 180 Church, which is available on text at 5397prayer and also via email at prayer at 180church.tv. This is a resource for everybody and especially during this difficult time where we need some prayer and support, there is a prayer team that's ready to help you and to pray for all the requests that you may have. Um, if your prayers have been answered, you can also share them on the text hotline and we can celebrate the good news together. Next up is about small groups at 180 Church. These are smaller pockets of our community that meet on a weekly basis where we can dive a little bit deeper into the word and share how the message from that Sunday uh, spoke to us. We have a few different groups that are all meeting virtually now. And if you're not currently connected with a group, you can reach out to Pastor Billy at the email shown on the screen and he can get you plugged in into a group for you. On the topic of community, we also have a number of different social media handles and channels where you can follow us, like us, and love us during the week. We have a Tumblr page at 180BRG where we post a chapter of the Bible a day so you can read through the Bible with us. We also have a Facebook page at 180 Church. Dr. Sammy, our head pastor here at 180 Church, has a Twitter handle at Dr. Sammy Kim. We also have a YouTube channel at 180 Church NYC, where I'm sure most of you guys are watching us right now. And we also have two different Instagram pages at 180 Church and also at 180BRG, where there are really encouraging posts and verses that get shared there. So I hope you guys will follow us there and be encouraged. 
We also have the 180 Church podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends, where you can tune into a conversation and a dialogue that goes into goes into the word a little bit deeper with Pastor Lydia and Joe Wu, who is a member of our community here. It's always a great time just listening to them um, converse about how the message has spoke to them and has impacted them, and you can see how it can do the same for you. We also have a virtual 180 cafe on the Discord app where you guys can come hang out at any time in different groups on different channels. And it's an easy way to stay connected with the community and also check in with one another. In addition to this, uh, we, have, we have a new addition, which is our SoundCloud. And it's a worship playlist of all the things that Pastor Lydia has played throughout this pandemic. So if you've been blessed by any song throughout this time, you'll see it there. Use it as a way to connect with God, to remember that God is with you, and to be blessed by Him and to bless others through this situation that's going on. And last but not least, if you'd like to learn more about our church and want to sign up for our weekly emails, you can come visit us at oneechurch.tv. That's it for all of our announcements. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you all next week. Bye!